So today's Sicha is a Sicha connected with the Parsha of the week, but also connected to the 20th of Cheshvan, which is the birthday of the Rebbe Rashab. This is a different kind of style Sicha, because it's a Sicha really where the Rebbe uh, basically explains an amazing two stories that happened with the Rebbe Rashab when he was really, really a little boy. It's connected to this week's Parsha, because you'll see that the story actually happened in connection to something that it says in this week's Parsha. So, let's begin. It's, it's from volume 15 in Lekutur Sichas. And he says the following. In connection with the birthday of the Rebbe Rashab, the Rebbe Rashab is the fifth Chabad Rebbe. He was born in the year 1861, and he passed away at the age of 59 in the year of 1920. He was born in Lubavitch and passed away in the city of Rostov, the other side of Russia. After World War I, he moved with the entire movement. They moved to Rostov because of the, uh, what was going on there and bombs falling at the city of Lubavitch, so they moved. The Rebbe Rashab, when, he was, when it was his birthday, this is a story that happened when he was four or five years old. That's the way the previous Rebbe said over the story. Now, let, we have to also think about every word and choice of word that when a Rebbe says over a story, especially when it's a story about another Rebbe, even though it was about a Rebbe before he became Rebbe, he was only a young child, every detail of the story is very important as we're going to see. So when he was four or five years old, it was just by the Shabbos of the Parsha Vayera, meaning in this week. And for his birthday, he would go, as all Hasidim would do for their birthdays, they would go in a private audience to see their Rebbe. Who was the Rebbe at the time when he was four or five years old? This was the Tzemach Tzedek. Now, the Tzemach Tzedek passed away in 18. 69, um, and this and the Rebbe Rashab was born in 1861. Sorry, the Tzemach Tzedek passed away um, when he was four or five years old. So that would have been about 1865 or 66. So it was one of the if the birthdays when he was a kid. He went into his grandfather, the Tzemach Tzedek, for his birthday meeting and to get a blessing for his birthday. And when he came into the room, he started to burst it out crying. And he said, why did Hashem show himself to Avram, our father? And to us, to me, he doesn't show himself. Because he learned in this week's parsha. How does the parsha start? By Yer Hashem Avram. And Hashem appeared to Avram. So the little boy bursted out crying to his grandfather, the Rebbe, saying, why does Hashem show himself to Avram and not to me? I also want to see Hashem. So that Tzemach Tzedek answered the young child and said like this, that a Yid, that's a Tzadik, that at 99 years old, he makes a decision that he needs to circumcise himself. Such a person is worthy that Hashem should show, appear to him, should show himself to him. That was the answer that the grandfather answered to the little child. Now, 
on this story of the Rebbe Rashab as a little kid crying about it, and his grandfather answering him that a Yid, a Tzaddik, a 99 years old, decides to have a circumcision deserves to see Hashem. The Rebbe spoke many times about this and lessons in our service to Hashem that we could take out of this story. Like old stories that are taught to us by our Rabbeim that reached us, and especially if they were publicized, there obviously has lessons in the story for every single one of us. So over here, the Rebbe is going to um, emphasize a certain point of this story that he never explained before. And that is the following. That the previous Rebbe was very careful when he would say a story. And when the birthday boy was, was only four or five years old, that's what he said in the story. He said the boy was four or five years old. And since any word from the, a leader, from a Nasi of the Jewish people, especially when he says something in the public and he asks that what he's saying should be publicized, it's certain that every detail in the story is calculated. So we have to say that even this detail in the story is not just to tell us the greatness of the Rebbe Rashab when he was a kid. That even when he was a little kid, it bothered him that Hashem didn't appear to him. And it, to the point that it bothered him so much that it made him burst out in crying. It must be that this story is actually a lesson for every single one of us. Because if not, why would the story have been told to us? So from here it's understood that even though the story has many lessons in it, but the main lesson for, is for those that are even in the age of four or five years old. And it's not just somebody that's, that's a, a growing up, but spiritually, in their spirituality, maybe they're a, only like a child of four or five years old that hasn't been educated fully that means somebody that has so little knowledge, it's not just that he doesn't understand something, but it could also be that he never had the opportunity to be learned from somebody proper teacher. That such even such a person could now grasp the idea to feel the why, the why, the why, why doesn't Hashem show himself to him? Like we have the, to the point of the asking the why with a strong, you know, oomph, it even could bring a person to cry about it. Which when you cry about it, that shows that the subject actually really bothers you. More than any limitation. That's why you're crying about it. So you would want that Hashem should show himself to you just like by Avram Avinu. And the reason is that since Avram was one of our three forefathers of every single person, of every single generation, so by every Jew who's his child, which we get this idea, all the things of our forefather, we get it as an inheritance, the way it was by our forefather. So not just do we say that this could apply to anybody that spiritually never never had an education and they're only at the stage of a four or five year old in their learning. But mainly the story is to teach us 
regarding a young child that's four or five, literally at age. In other words, that's your biological age. That even such a person, such a child, it's possible that we could educate a child in such a manner with a strong, uh, you know, conviction to the point that the child should even start to cry about this, that Hashem doesn't show himself to him like by Avram Avinu. So the fact that the previous Rebbe, when he says the story about his father, he says the story and tells us the age that it was four or five, that means we have the ability to educate our children right from the beginning at that age, even at four or five, they could have this kind of feeling. Imagine that. <laughs> I mean, the Rebbe is going this far to show us that it's possible for us to teach our children that even when they're four or five, they should have this feeling that they should cry about it. Says the Rebbe, we could ask, what kind of comparison really is there between a Rebbe, when he, a Rebbe that was a kid, and every other person? Isn't it obvious that a Rebbe, when he's four or five years old, would have spiritual draws and feelings much more than any child? Obviously, the Rebbe Rashab was a holy child from the moment he came out of his mother's womb. He was also a Nasi, the son of a Nasi. He was the leader, the son of a leader. His father was also a Rebbe. So even from his youngest age, it would be recognizable that he would one day be a Rebbe. As the Talmud tells us, and it's brought down in many places. It says the famous phrase, Butzin, Butzin, Mikatve Yidiyah, which means that a pumpkin, even from its smallest size, you could already, if you're an expert in pumpkins, you could already tell that ah, this is going to grow up to be a, you know, what kind of size, you know, pumpkin. So we say the same thing is with people. Sometimes you could look at a little kid and you could say, ah, this kid's going to be a great person. So by a Rebbe, especially such a kid, it's understood that he would, that even at that age, he would already have a certain knowledge of comprehension like others and even elderly people. So how could we learn something of educating our children about the proper age to expect certain things when we educate our children? It would seemingly be that every kid, you would educate them according to their sharpness and their comprehension. So what are we saying here? Seemingly, it would be hard to really say that this is something that we could expect from everybody to teach your kid that by four or five years old it should bother them that they don't see Hashem. Even though it's clear that the point of the story is possible, not just for somebody that's going to end up being a Rebbe, but even for every single person. As we spoke earlier, that the fact that the story was told in public and after that publicized, that alone is the best proof that it's not just something that's meant for a Rebbe whose shoulders and up, uh, you know, uh, a head shoulder than all uh, uh, above us. But ease, these are things that are meant to be brought down for all of us to learn from. But it's, it's, it's fear enough to say that this is a lesson for everybody. Maybe you could say that it's a lesson for everybody that's growing up in years, but spiritually they're not there yet. Why should we say that this is also a befitting message even for people that are four or five years old, literally in their real age from birth. So the Rebbe says we can understand this by going a little bit into the subject of education. 
And by the way, as a side note, we all know that the Rebbe was a master in education. People came to the Rebbe from all over the world. And I just want to share with you two small anecdotes, and then we'll continue here. There was once a, a chassid after the Holocaust that came to the Rebbe, to the previous Rebbe, just to understand how all the Rebbes, how they understood people. And this person said to the Rebbe that, you know, I can't have my kid anymore in a Talmud Torah, in a Jewish day school. I'm going to send him into a public school. Too much pressure here in America. I got to put him in a get us. He has to be there. Previous Rebbe said, no, I'm telling you that the best place for your child will be if he is going to be in a Jewish day school. And the man said, Rebbe, you're a scholar in Torah, but you don't really understand education of kids here in America. So the previous Rebbe said to him, and what do you do for a, a living? So he said, I sell diamonds. So he said to him, you have any diamonds with you? He said, of course. He pulled out his antiche case and he opens it up and he shows him and the previous Rebbe starts asking him, what's the difference of this stone? How much do you sell it for? And this stone, this is a 12 carat, a 14 carat. He's explaining him the whole thing. So he asks, he's asking him all these questions. And the previous Rebbe says, I don't understand. Why is this stone selling at such a much higher price than this stone? Not such a big difference between the two. So he said to him, he said, Rebbe, he said, I'm a diamond dealer, so I understand the difference of stones. Well, what, I can't expect you to understand the difference of one stone and another. So the previous Rebbe said to him, that's exactly the message I wanted to tell you. You may understand one stone to another stone the difference, but I understand neshamas, I understand souls. And I'm telling you that for your child's soul, this is the best place for him to be. So you see, there's something about this where the Rabbeim understood things. By the way, the second thing I wanted to say is that in the United States of America, they appreciated so much the Rebbe's view on education that actually every single year in Washington, D.C., they, they make a massive function in a big hall and they have dozens and dozens of senators come and the president always for years, maybe 30, 40 years already, the president writes a letter for it. They, and they announce that day it's called Education Day of America in honor of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. It's always around the Rebbe's birthday. One year they even uh, made a special uh, coin that they minted in the, in the, in the mint, a special with a picture of the Rebbe on it saying this is for Education Day in America. So the Rebbe's points in education were always very strong and always founded on principles in the Torah. So let's see the Rebbe's insight here of what he has to tell us regarding the possibility of parents of, and what's expected to instill into your child even at that young age of four and five. So he says there's many different ages of what you're supposed to expect in, when you educate your children. At what ages? There is a certain stage of educating that is that has a difference in every child based on their sharpness and their ability of comprehension. But there are other things that are specific to certain ages. For example, it says that there was regard, the Talmud tells us regarding a certain teacher that didn't want to accept uh, young kids into his class. So it says that he came to his Rebbe and in the Talmud, it says that his an- the answer, instruction he got was that younger than six years old, under six, you don't have to accept any kid into your class. That's fine. But from when the kid turns six, you should stuff him like an ox. 
meaning, you know, jam the knowledge into them. Teach them blessings, teach them Tyra. From when he turns six, put in as much as you can into that kid. Meaning, that learning Tyra with a kid is in a way of stuffing them like an ox. In other words, really filling them up heavily. And that is a key to bring a child to a proper level of education. As it's understood, obviously, that this all starts. How do you stuff them and give them all this information from six years old? And even though, that even what we're saying here, it depends, of course, based on the strength of the child, his his ability of his brain, and his his makeup of his body. Some kids at six, they're already, you know, can handle obviously a lot more. And sometimes when a kid is a weaker kind of style kid, you could wait until he's seven. But according to everybody, under six, you don't have to accept him. And even if he's a strong kid under six, you don't have to. That means that under six is something that we say, sorry, that from six we say you could stuff him like an ox. That's how you get to the completed level of education. And that's not dependent on how much knowledge he has or how strong he is. And so too we have other numbers of ages where different things make a difference. For example, a minor under bar mitzvah is not obligated to do mitzvahs. Only from when you're 13 for a boy or 12 for a girl. And before that, according, biblically speaking, you don't have to do the mitzvahs. And we see for a boy, you can't even count him dominion until he's 13. Even if he's very knowledgeable and mature and so on. By the way, as a side note, the Rebbe mentions this elsewhere, that the previous Rebbe was very mature at a young age. And from 11 years old, he used to start to wear tefillin every day. But still, they wouldn't count them part of a, of a, of a, in a minion. The reason to start filling earlier sometimes is if a child is mature enough and they know how to control their body and control their mind, not to think about other things while they're wearing tefillin. So you could start a little bit earlier. Chabad custom is we start to educate boys from two months before the bar mitzvah to start putting it on. Because by the time it gets 13, you're hoping that they won't open up their phone in the middle of davening and they won't, uh, you know, be distracted other stuff. They'll be able to think only about their film. But what do we see from this so far is that under six is an age that you don't have to, you, sh- you don't have to accept, you don't have to stuff them with, uh, with, with education. The explanation of this, to understand the difference of the ages that from six, you can start to stuff them like an ox with knowledge for chinuch, for education. From bar mitzvah, you can, you can be counted as a minion. And so you see the different ages that make different stages. We can understand this by the difference of the way certain people like our forefathers that did mitzvahs before we even had the Torah, the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. It says like this, before we got to Torah at Mount Sinai, if somebody wanted to do a mitzvah, let's say Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, their wives, if they heard about a certain mitzvah that God likes, they were able to do it. For example, we have that Jacob, it says, he would take twigs, uh, branches, twigs, and he would wrap himself with t- like tefillin. 
This is before the Torah was even given. Now, how high, how much could a human being bond themselves with God before the giving of the Torah? You were only able to reach a certain high level as much as where your soul came from. You could only go that far back. Like everything in the world. Everything in the world has a root. It's called a shayrish. Nothing in this world exists from nothing. Everything comes from something. Take, let's say, um, take, let's say a cup. A cup comes from somewhere. You, to make glass, the glass is made from something. They take sand, they take water, fire. They take certain elements that are already in existence and you make it. So everything has a root, right? When you speak, where does your speech come from? It comes from your mind. So everything is coming from somewhere. Everything always has a root where it comes from. So every person has a soul. Your soul comes from somewhere. It goes all the way back up to the highest place in the highest world. Hashem has different, four different worlds and so on. So before the giving of the Torah, when you did a mitzvah, it connected you all the way back to the highest place that be, that's where your soul began. That's the only place, that's where you could go. So Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Sarif, they could go back up to their to the highest place where they are. However, after Matan Torah, something else happened completely. After Matan Torah, after the giving of the Torah Mount Sinai, Hashem says that I'm going to give you certain guidelines that you could do certain things that you could bond with me higher than you, where you yourself could get to. You yourself could get to only to where the root of your soul is. But I am the creator of everything. Hashem says, I'm the creator. I'm the infinite source of everything. So I'm going to give you certain mitzvahs. Right? I'm going to give you 613 commandments. And through these commandments, in this specific manner, the way I give it to you, if you follow this guideline, you could reach and connect to me higher than what you would be able to get to on your own. Take, for example, tefillin. If a person says, I want to put on boxes of tefillin that are going to be two feet wide by two feet tall, I'm going to have massive boxes of tefillin. Could you accomplish anything in the mitzvah? No, because Hashem says you could do tefillin, but it has to be this and this kind of measurement. This is the boundary of it. Hashem says, I want you to put four scrolls into the tefillin. If you put five, you have not fulfilled your mitzvah. If you did three, you didn't fulfill your mitzvah. There's measurements in how you do the mitzvah. A chauffeur. And, and the list, every single mitzvah. Every mitzvah has limitations to it. It has to be done in a certain form. But by doing it like that, even though the mitzvah itself is practiced with a limitation, but through doing it with the, the way the Torah tells us to do it, you could actually bond with infinity. That means even today, if somebody would be a tzaddik, a righteous person like Jacob, you could take branches like Jacob did, but where will you, where will you reach to? How far, how high will you be able to get? Only to the place that your soul could get to. But if you want to connect with infinity, with God himself, that you have to do it the way the mitzvah was told to us at the giving of the Torah, the way God commanded us to do it. And it's like that with all mitzvahs. So, this, that, a child 
who becomes older and becomes an adult is 13 years old, that could be only on your own, on your own completion level. But the things from the giving of the Torah that, that has certain measurements that starts by 13 years old. In other words, before that, it's only you're on your, you're on your own. But when you hit 13, now you could reach the levels that are connected with Hashem, because Hashem now made His commandments formal. So too, in education, the completion of a level of education starts when you turn six, because at six, you should stuff the kid like an ox. Just give him all you can stuff into him. But before that, it's different. So this point is that the Torah is telling us that six is the age. Therefore, it's understood in our subject here, in our story. Since the Rebbe Rashab was under six years old. So not, don't look at the fact that he, that, that he was a great person and he had a great knowledge even at that young age. Nevertheless, he was still regarding the categories of of the giving of the Torah, he was still on a level of under six, meaning he was still on the level where we weren't commanded to educate him yet. But by knowing the story, that shows that it's not something specific to a person who's going to become a Rebbe one day. And therefore, the story that was passed down to us was specific told to us with these details that he was a kid of four or five years old. So it's understood that it's possible for every single kid under six, as soon as you have a certain measure, in other words, before the age where you have the measurements of the Torah to start teaching at six, that everybody could get to this level. So in other words, so far, what he's trying to, what Reb is telling us is, is that till six years old, you're like before the Torah commands you to educate your kid. It's like somebody that does a mitzvah before the Torah was given. There's only so high you could get to. It's from six that the Torah tells you to start educating the kid. And from 13 where you can be counted as a minion. Those are rules that the Torah gives us. And that's where you can get to the levels of connecting with infinity. But the fact that the Torah, he's telling us the story that it happened before he was six, that means there's something about it. It has nothing to do with the fact that he one day is going to be a Rebbe. It's not about that because he's under six. From six years old and on, you could say, ah, he's a smart kid, he has sensitivity, he's a, you know, a gifted kid. But before six, you can't look at that and say, ah, just because he's a gifted kid. No, before six, he's like all of us. Based on this, with the, with the idea that the story was publicized, so the Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, when he said over the story, is telling us the lesson in education. That for, for a minor, literally at that age, not just in your level of education, but literally a kid of that age. We could see how in this story, there's not just a lesson to serve Hashem, but it's an unbelievable novelty, a chidush, a chidush ikri calls it, a main novelty way of learning in the concept of education. It's known as the Rambam says, and the Rambam is, brings us down in a lengthy subject, in how you have to teach a kid. He says, a kid, if you want to get a kid going, when they're small, give them what they like. Give them nuts. In other words, give them candies. Later, he doesn't bring it down here, but the, he says, etc. But the Rambam later says that when a kid gets a little bit older, bribe them with money. 
tell them, you want to come to a Torah class? I'll give you some money. I had now in the last couple of weeks, so I started uh, upping the, our tefillin campaign with the dads, especially the dads in the daycare. Every day they drop off their kids. So one day a father comes in. I hope you'll forgive me for saying this, but I won't say his name. But he said, you know, he said, I have something that's been bothering me all my life. He says, when I was bar mitzvah age, my grandfather used to take me to synagogue and he told me that every day I put on tefillin and I dive in with him, he'll give me $2. He says, I used to go with him all the time. He says, I want to know if I did the right thing or the wrong thing. I feel bad all my life doing it. I said, what do you mean? The Rambam says it clearly. You should give somebody sweets when they're younger. Give them food, candies, give them nuts. Little older, give them money. Whatever it takes to get somebody going. The Rambam says that when you get even older, when you can't buy somebody with money, you should give them honor. People, when they get, start getting really old, that's the, that's the thing that becomes important to them. They want the honor. So give them a good front seat at the table and say, ah, if you learn, I'll let you, you know, you know, let you uh, sit in the front or something. Give them honor. But the point is that when it comes to education, this is the point that the Torah is teaching us. Because as they grow older, When they're younger, in other words, they still, their minds are not fully developed. So they can't appreciate the goodness that's in Torah yet. So therefore, give them something, a candy, because that they know the appreciation, right? By the way, we could use our own example. If you ask a kid, a little kid, say a five-year-old kid, say, what would you rather, a bar of chocolate or a hundred dollars? The kid will say the bar of chocolate because that's what he understands right now. The gratification isn't there. When he gets a little older, he understands with $100, I could probably buy 10 bars. The point is that as you get older, you start to understand the value of things. So it's the same thing, of course, with Tyra. When they're younger, you can't expect them to know better. So you have to get them into it to taste it. But over here, there's a fascinating lesson over here. Here, what we're saying is, that it's possible to educate a child, that it should bother him, it should take him through and through, to the point that the kid should cry, not over a material loss. What should bother you? Why is Hashem not revealing Himself to me? That means, they're ever saying, we learn a whole new idea here. We're learning that it's possible to actually educate people that what should really bother them? That I'm missing something godly in my life. Why did Hashem show Himself to Abraham and not to me? If it wasn't for this story, we wouldn't know that it's possible to educate a child, such a young child, that this is what should really bother them. Like you see by the Rambam, he says to bride, give them some sweets. But after we have this story that the previous ever revealed it to us and he publicized and he said it should be published and printed, it's a clear thing that over here it's revealed a new way. It's like a new path just opened up, a new road in education that now through proper educating children, we can now break through all boundaries of nature and educate them of, to want spiritual things. That what? They, sh- they, they should have a desire that they want to connect and see Hashem. And when you see this by a Jewish child that, that doesn't bother him that, to, to see Hashem, and he doesn't bother him all this, 
you know that the educator is not talking from his heart. Because we have a rule that if you speak from the heart, it will go into the heart. So if you teach and educate properly, the child will want this properly and he'll yearn for that. And just like there's this lesson from the question that the child asked of why didn't Hashem show us, there's also a lesson in the answer that the Tzemach Tzedek gave him. What did his grandfather, the Tzemach Tzedek, say? Tzemach Tzedek didn't say, what's with you? How can you compare yourself to Avram? That's not what his grandfather told him. The Tzemach Tzedek said that a Yid that could make the commitment at 99 years old to circumcise himself, that alone shows that he's worth it for Hashem to show himself. So you see that the Tzemach Tzedek said in the answer that it's, it's all possible for anybody to get to that level. We could all reach to that level. Meaning, it's not just something that just happened to Avram that he decided to do it at 99 years old. And, there, and it wouldn't be relevant to anybody else. Because then he would have told him in short that you can't compare yourself to Avram. What do you want, little kid? But the meaning here is that this is a lesson for every single one of us. That every one of us could reach to the level that Vayera, I love Hashem, that Hashem could show himself. How? Through making the same resolution that Avram did. What did Avram do? Avram made a decision to circumcise himself. But you know that in circumcision, there's a spiritual circumcision. What does it mean a circumcision in the material senses? That Hashem made an extra foreskin. That you have to remove this foreskin. What's the spiritual component of, a, of circumcision? That we need to circumcise himself, ourselves and work on ourselves to take off anything that covers our connection to Hashem. Anything that gets into our way, that blocks us from our relationship with Hashem. We have to be able to take that strength like Avram, and if we do, take off that blockage. Let's say to ourselves, nowadays we all know one of the greatest challenges is the yearning and the desire to be updated on the news at the moment when it's, come, when it's made available. A lot of times, that becomes the blockage. We can't daven straight, we can't learn straight. And there can be many other distractions, things, temptations that get into our minds that become the blockage. What does it mean to circumcise themselves? It means take off the blockage. Get rid of it. Now this idea that we could all be like Avram because otherwise his grandfather would have not answered him like that. The fact that he didn't say, you can't compare yourself to Avram. He didn't say that. He said a Yid like Avram was worth it because he circumcised himself even at that age. That means that somebody that gets older in age and therefore his decision is that he needs to circumcise himself and be careful from any thing that blocks him with Hashem is a much greater novelty for somebody that's a tzaddik. Because you could think that I'm a tzaddik and that's it. You could think maybe a tzaddik could do this, like Avram. But it's knowing that there's something called Pasach. What does it mean, Pasach? 
Pasach means that an opening was done. It's like in English we say, they paved the road. They paved the road for us. He brings down in a footnote a very famous story about a Magid that one time had a strong question in Torah. And it bothered him like like Nobody could answer this question he had in the Torah. It was bothering him day and night. One night he went to sleep and he had a dream and he asked this question in the heavenly yeshivas and the heavenly yeshivas gave him the answer on his difficult query that he had in Torah. The next day he came to the synagogue and he wanted to share the answer that he got in his dream. He was so excited about it. And somebody else said to him, you know, I, by the way, I just discovered, I'm thinking, you know, I know the answer to the question you asked the other day. And he wondered to himself, how's it possible? My goodness, how do you know the answer? I was working so hard, I finally got the answer in a dream. How do you know the answer? So he was told like this. His job was to bring the answer down from heaven down into this world. Once it was in this world, everybody could reach it. So he says the same thing here. It's like Abraham paved the path. He brought down the concept that even if you're 99 years old, no matter how old you are, and even if you're the most perfect, sacred person, you still have the ability to take off and remove something that's blocking between you and Hashem, a foreskin, which is meaning, the idea of a foreskin is, is something that's blocking. I once shared with you the story that there's a, a, a magazine, it's actually published out of Toronto, but it's a quite famous magazine. It's called the Lifestyle Magazine. Many of you have heard of it. It's published by a Canadian guy. In 1992, he came to the Rebbe and he wanted to like interview the Rebbe by Sunday dollars. And he asked the Rebbe, what is your message for your 90th birthday? This, I believe, was either one or two weeks before the Rebbe had that severe stroke. He said, what is your message for your 90th birthday coming up? And the Rebbe said that 90 is the word, the number for 90 is tzaddik. Every Hebrew letter has another number. So kuf is 100, but tzaddik is 90. So he said tzaddik, when you, 90 is the word tzaddik, which means that we have to work on ourselves to become to the level of tzaddik. Imagine that. The Rebbe, who we all consider to be such a tzaddik, he's saying is he still has work to do. Imagine that. But here he's telling us in the story that we all have the ability to work on ourselves to get to this level that no matter how age, how what age or how perfect you may be, we all have to do this idea of circumcision and then we, with that, you'll be worthy to have a revelation of Hashem. And this is the lesson for children. After we create this desire in a kid that Hashem should show himself to him, we have to explain to him that the path for this to actually get it, that we have to always circumcise ourselves. Meaning we have to always be careful to take off anything that gets into the way between you and Hashem. That means this is the way to educate a child. Not to be affected. Don't be nispol. Don't let anything get into your way, any distraction, any concealments. Don't let the world get into your way. 
And you should do only what the Torah tells you. And this commitment should be so strong that even when you get older, you won't go away from this path. In other words, it's engraved in the psyche of the kid that he should always remember this. That no matter what age he gets, he knows that he always needs to circumcise himself and take away the distraction between you and Hashem. And this brings him that even when he's a kid, Hashem will appear himself to him and to your surroundings and you'll become a light on the entire world. Now, just like by the Rabbeim, they opened up a new path, a new idea in education between you and your relationship with Hashem. That now it's possible to educate the children that they should have this yearning, desire of Yiddishkeit, not because even for any material world, but just for the spiritual concept itself, to the point that the child will even burst out into crying. He says we have here another story. Because that story is only in the relationship with you and Hashem. But maybe we can't expect to educate children to also have this amazing level of being such a good, refined character between people. Maybe between you and Hashem, but how do I know with you and everybody else that it's possible to reach to a high level? The Rebbe says we have another story regarding the Rebbe Hashab when he was at that age of before he was six. A story that also is because it's his birthday this week, 20th of Cheshvan. Today's the 17th. Shabbos this year will be the 20th. And there's another story regarding his education between him and other people. When he was four years old, one time a tailor came to his house in Lubavitch and brought a garment that he prepared for the Rebbe Rashab's mother. Her name was Rebetzin Rifka. She was the wife of a Rebbe. She was the daughter of a Rebbe. And she was the mother of a Rebbe. And the grandmother of a Rebbe. So imagine this. She, there's many, many stories about Rebetzin and Rifka. As a matter of fact, the previous Rebbe has a full diary of all about her and her personalities. She was a very loved woman amongst all the Hasidim. She lived for, I believe, 37 years after her husband passed away. The Rebbe Marash passed away at the age of 52. And she lived many, many years later. And Hasidim, elderly Hasidim, used to always consult with her and come to her. And she was, you know, the beloved woman. She, if you needed to get into the Rebbe, her son for Yechidus, you'd come to her. She would, you know, manage to get you in. You know, she had a way. She had an amazing connection with Chassidim. You hear about her much more than we hear about any of the other Rebbetsons, actually. In interesting ways. In any case, the tailor came to the house to give her whatever her clothes, something that the tailor made. Now, while they, I guess she was examining the clothes, the little boy who was four years old was there in the room and inadvertently or unintentionally, he pulled out of the pocket of the tailor a piece of material that belonged to that clothes. Now the tailor was cutting and making his things. He had a piece of material in his, in his thing. And the tailor got embarrassed when the kid pulled out of his pocket something that belonged to that. 
You know, it was almost like he was being accused of stealing the piece of material. And he started to justify himself that he forgot about it and whatever. That's why the piece was there. It wasn't on purpose, etc. After that, when the tailor left the home, his mother, Rebetz and Rivka, gave him a piece of her mind of why he embarrassed this tailor. When the kid heard this, he bursted out in crying uncontrollably, uncontrollable, he was crying. The little kid, four years old. A couple weeks later, he went in for a private audience to his father, the Rebbe, who was the Rebbe Marash. And he asked him, what is the way to repent, to, to rectify? What would somebody do if they had to rectify a sin of embarrassing somebody? What's the, what's, the, what's the remedy? How do you rectify such a thing of embarrassing somebody? So his father said to him, and why, and why do you ask? So the kid said that uh, I need to know. But he didn't want to tell him why he needs to know. Later, his mother heard about this and she asked him, why didn't you want to tell your father the reason why you have to know about this? How do you rectify a sin of embarrassing somebody? So the kid answered his, her, his mother and he said, is it not enough to fall through the sin of embarrassing another person? Should I also fall through the sin of gossiping and speaking ill about somebody else, Lashon Hara? That was, that's the story. Now, on first glance, really there's nothing so wondrous about this, like so bad in other words, of what, what happened here in the story. As the story tells us in the details, he said that he took a piece of cloth, unintentional, that means he did it by, by mistake, without knowing. It wasn't a purpose that he did that. There ever brings down in a footnote here from the Talmud, a Mishnah in the Talmud Baba Kama that says that the obligation, in, in other words, the, the, the consequence for embarrassing somebody is only when you do it on purpose. Right? So he did it by mistake. And not just that, he did it not in a public. It was just him and his mother that was there. That's it. And there it brings down from the Encyclopedia Talmudis in a footnote here that embarrassing somebody actually is only considered to be embarrassing if it's done in public. And nevertheless, as soon as he heard that he embarrassed the tailor, it took him so much to heart that he burst out in this uncontrollable crying. That shows us that it bothered him not so much for embarrassing the other person, that it came through him. And for that, I deserve a punishment. But the fact itself that this other person, the tailor, got embarrassed, that was what was bothering him. For him to rectify it, okay, I'll rectify it. But it bothered him that how could it be that I caused this other person to be embarrassed? And therefore, he didn't want to tell his father about it. 
because you could say, maybe by not answering your father, it's a question of honoring your father. <laughs> right? If your father asks you a question, you got to answer. And he didn't want to answer. And even if he would answer, why would it be so bad to tell his father what he did wrong? Because all he's saying, he's saying what he did only to be able to get the answer of how to rectify it. And since this story was told to us, together with the emphasis that he was how old? Four years old. From here is a proof that it's possible to educate a Jewish child the same point at four years old, that they should be so sensitive in how they conduct themselves with other people. From all of this, we get to see the lesson, how important and the obligation for every single Jew to make every effort in the ideas of education in your own children, whether it's your own children, as the Rebbe Rashab said, and the, the person whose birthday is coming up, he said, and it's printed in Ayom Yom, that he said that just like it's a mitzvah on every person to put on tefillin, and it's a biblical obligation on every Jew. No difference how old you are once you're 13 and over, you have to do it. Whether you're a simple person or you're a great Torah scholar, Everybody has to put on film. So too, it's an obligation, he said, to edu- to think about the education of your children for a half hour every day. And to do whatever you can that's in your power. And more than what you can that's in your power. To see that your children, that they should go in the path in the way they were educated. So whether it's regarding your own children, or whether it's regarding educating other Jewish children, whose parents, for whatever reason, they did not give a proper Jewish education. And because when a parents don't do it, the obligation goes on everybody else to be concerned that they should get a proper education. And through this, we, we build up the army of Hashem, which will go out of this exile with you, your children, your grandchildren, the sons and the daughters with Mashiach Tzidkenu, Speedily in our time. And this comes from Masicha on Parshas Vayera, which was also Chav Cheshvin that year, in the year of 1970, 1975 and 1976. So this is the two stories and the lesson for all of us now.